Hello and welcome to This Won't Teach You Anything. It's good to be back on a regular basis after taking that hiatus, time off, vacation, whatever you want to call it. I uh, just finished up the uh, the big discussion on the Blues Brothers. Somehow we stretched that out to probably a podcast longer than the actual movie itself. So congratulations to myself, Sean, and Jason. Anyway, it's great to see things back and from a non-pandemic point of view anyway. Uh, some of the things that obviously we were missing, going to the movies, uh, going to concerts, getting together with friends and family are now more and more normal. You still see some masks out there and that's cool. Um, uh, flying, traveling, all of that coming back. It's just, it's great to go ahead and be able to put our mind uh, on, on some of the things that uh, a lot of us enjoy. And if you're listening to this podcast, probably a lot of the same things I enjoy. It's, it's just great to not, uh, not live in fear from a pandemic uh, point of view. There's plenty of other things that I'm sure people are worried about going on in the world. So it's great to have these little escapes, uh, a few hours at the movie theater, a few hours at concerts, uh, just, it, it, it's starting to feel right again with being able to, uh, enjoy yourself and not, not, uh, always constantly be quote unquote, looking over your shoulder and, and, and things of that nature. With that said, this episode, I'll be flying solo and I wanted to go ahead and do something wholly original, something no podcast had ever done before, had, has, whatever, never done before. And that is a top three list. That's right. Top three list thought, what could be more original than doing something like that? And I promise you, this will not be the three hour, hour and a half, two hour epic episode. I thought I'd go ahead and give yourselves a break from uh, not learning anything overload, not being taught anything. So what I thought I'd do on this show is my top three favorite concerts. So to get this thing started, what is a concert? Merriam-Webster describes or defines a concert as a public performance as of music or dancing. We're going to be talking, obviously, about musical concerts. Um, and in this case, again, my top three favorite concerts. Uh, top threes and, and favorite lists, I find, are always ever-evolving. So currently, of the concerts I've seen... Uh, these are the ones that, that, uh, are still resonating me with me after in some cases, you know, 20 plus years or as within a year. So without further ado, number three on my top three favorite concerts, 2001's Drowned World Tour by Madonna. August 26th, I uh, saw Madonna at the Palace of Auburn Hills up uh, in near Detroit in Michigan. And having been a huge Madonna fan since, you know, 1983, 1984, really dating myself here, um, it was the first time I'd ever seen her in person live. And so 2001, 17, 18 plus years of, of listening to her stuff. Part of the reason being is that my mother was sure that Madonna was, uh, the devil incarnate. 
And I was reminded of that uh, every time she'd see her on and things of that nature. But uh, there was just something I've got. To, I've got a real guilty pleasure for um, pop music. I love it. I love rock music. I love a lot of different genres, but I do love a good pop song. So um, that show was uh, filmed and broadcast live on HBO. Time I bought the tickets, I didn't know it. But I was just telling someone today about uh, that show in 2001. I went ahead and um, remember it being one of the only concerts I've ever been to that actually started on time with what the ticket said. There was no opening act and it started on time. And I don't know how many concerts you go to, but I'm sure we've already, if you've been to one or you've been to a few, you've probably been to one where the ticket will say 8 PM and it rolls around nine 30 and still nothing or nothing worse than going to a show to see a main act with an opening act and maybe you like the opening act, maybe you don't, but the wait in between, that's brutal for me. Uh, this show, no opening act, knew that ahead of time uh, and knew that it was going to start on time because it was being broadcast live. So it had to. So that was a, that was a big perk right out of the gate. Uh, the, the set list for this show um, starts out with uh, drowned world substitute for love. That was off of the Ray of Light album, fantastic album, and uh, a great opener. Not not something that you'd expect as an opener from Madonna, as it wasn't uh, it wasn't a huge huge hit. But for for the opening of the show, it really worked. Um, impressive instant second song, uh, Candy Perfume Girl. Again, a lot of sh- uh, starting off with a lot of songs that weren't her biggest hits. It's really in the world of uh, concerts for me, you really want to go ahead and kick your audience right in the face with something that everyone knows, casual fans, um, longtime fans. And I know these songs having been a fan, but I know there's plenty out there that, uh, that didn't know it, but the crowd absolutely just, uh, went nuts, especially for the first three or four songs. I mean, and you know, Madonna, even 2001 was already solidified a legend in, in the music business. Uh, four was beautiful stranger, the song from uh, uh, Austin Powers, uh, and then Ray of Light, which big hit for Madonna. Uh, Paradise not for me. Again, we're getting into those kind of secondary songs. Frozen, a big hit. Uh, Nobody's perfect. Mer um, Girl, Sky Fits Heaven, and Mer uh, Girl was split into two two different uh, spots, uh, different parts. So that was the, uh, the 10th song was uh, the, the second part of Mer Girl. Uh, then we had, um, uh, I deserve it again. We're, we're going with these secondary hits. Uh, but I remember the energy in the place and everyone, everyone totally engaged. Uh, number 12, don't tell me big song off of the album music, uh, human nature, another big song, uh, uh the funny song, not a big song. 15. Uh, was secret, big song, big hit. Uh, Sixteen gone again. We go uh, into the secondary uh, part of her library. Then we had kind of a um, interlude with some uh, "Don't Cry for Me" Argentina from Evita, which uh, 
Madonna won a Golden Globe for. Um, uh, Lo que sienta la mujer uh, at 17, and then 18, La Isla Bonita. So you had a uh, uh, kind of a Spanish theme going on uh, there towards uh, that part of the show. Um, we also had uh, the last song of the show before the encore, Holiday, huge staple song uh, of Madonna's. And then the uh, encore was music. Great big hit for thing about this show. um, If you've never been to a live show, uh, there, there are a lot more cameras involved in a live show. Now I sat back at the, um, uh, not in the upper bowl, but at the back of the, of the stadium up in the, uh, where the bleachers start. So not on the floor, but just almost center back off to the left, just a bit. Great seats to be able to see everything. The, when the camera's swinging around, you know, you see a lot of concert videos and you see, you see, uh, sweeping shots of the audience or, you know, things moving, uh, past the stage and just capturing everything, um, from different perspectives. When you're at one of those shows, you see those boom cams coming by and, if you see a red light on anyone who's done any TV or knows about it, typically the red light means that's a live camera, the red light, excuse me, that's a live camera. So back there in the seats between holiday and music, the encore comes a camera across and I see that red light go on. So of course everybody hams it up for the camera at this particular show. I'm by myself. My wife so generously agreed to stay behind and watch our, our daughter, who was uh, two and a half, uh, maybe just turned three at the time, uh, jumping up and down. I'm jumping up and down to see the camera. Well, I don't think too much of it. Enjoy the rest of the show, which was fantastic. Closer music was. Um, went ahead and uh, had recorded the show on, again, dating myself, a VHS tape. And when I got back home, I went ahead the next day. And, you know, watched the show. And then I remembered, oh, the audience, you know, the camera shot. So I got to the part in there between uh, Holiday and the encore music. And I was able to locate myself jumping up and down like a crazed idiot in the stands. And in doing show prep for this show and, and you know, locating dates and, and things like that on YouTube, you can find this uh, this. HBO broadcast. Now they also did a DVD release of, of the show, but they did edit out parts of the crowd. They found me too spicy, I guess, to go ahead and leave in. So they went ahead and, and trimmed that part out. Uh, in reality, just my team and theirs just couldn't agree to, um, uh, financial, uh, uh, gain. So I had to have them take me out of the crowd scene. So, uh, but if you look on YouTube and you find the the uh, HBO broadcast version uh, between holiday and music, I'm in there. I'll let you try and find me. No, most of you have no idea what I look like, but I'm in there. Trust me. So uh, my third favorite concert, Madonna's Drowned World Tour from 2001, August 26th in Auburn Hills, Michigan. So as I told you dating myself a bit, that one was 
a ways back, 21 years ago, just over 21 years ago, but it still resonates. And, you know, having been a huge fan, just to, just to uh, actually see Madonna perform had been had been something that was uh, a bucket list material. If you can even have a bucket list at, at in your 20s, for me, that would have been on it. And I was able to go ahead and, and catch her live. And like I said, on a um, recorded show is even better because you can go back and you can you can relive uh, that memory. Uh, for anybody younger listening, there were times uh, back in the old days uh, when I was younger that right on the tickets uh, to concerts and shows, you would see right on there where it says no cameras, no recording equipment. You couldn't even take a still photo camera in there. People did, but you could get, you know, um, escorted out depending on who it was. Um, and, and sound recording was a definite no, no. So things have changed, uh, these days. I mean, everybody has a fantastic camera and recording device right in their hand all the time. There's just no way that they're going to get all, um, uh, all those people to, to surrender those. I have heard of some shows to where you, um, they hand you a security, uh, um, you know, basically a bag that you put your phone in and it's zipped up and it's not, um, it's sealed until after the show. And then when you exit, they'll open it up and, and I mean, you have it with you, your phone is with you, but you can't use it, which, you know, depending on the show may be a great thing because, you know, you don't have to worry about a phone ringing. You don't, you know, again, depending on the show, you're not going to go to a, um, Metallica concert and probably hear somebody's phone ring, but you know what I mean? And nobody's going to be able to go ahead and, and record the show. Fast forward to 2022. My number two favorite song was a complete opposite of not being able to record things. Uh, this artist actually seems to encourage it, even though um, the show I'm going to mention, I've seen this artist multiple times. Uh, it wasn't mentioned in this show, but at one of her previous concerts, it had a video screen with a message on it from part of the show at the beginning that said, the show is about to begin. Please make sure cameras and recording devices are turned on. So, um, you know, times have definitely changed, but the encouragement of, of being able to do that, I'm, I'm hundred percent guilty of being somebody that, uh, wants to go ahead and, and as much as I want to see the show live, I, I do want to record it because I do enjoy going back and, and, uh, throwing it up on my TV and, and watching it later. It for me is just, is something I, I think I was deprived of for so long at, at concerts I'd been to in the past that I just wish I had some footage of. I do enjoy doing that. I do watch the show with the, the, the phone aimed just above my eye line so I can still catch everything that I want to see, but I do enjoy recording them to, to go ahead and, and relive those memories. So again, number two is Jazz and Piano in Las Vegas by Lady Gaga, May 1st, 2022. So just, just this past summer, um, I've seen Lady Gaga three times and actually it was, uh, hers was, uh, the last concert I saw just, um, just over a month ago. Uh, I caught her in, uh, her Chromatica ball tour and, uh, at Wrigley field in Chicago. And that was an amazing show. Don't get me wrong. Fantastic show, big stadium atmosphere, sold out Wrigley field 
you've never been able to get to uh, Wrigley to see a show, highly recommend it. I was worried about acoustics and whatnot, but it was fantastic. The stage sits out in center field. It was up third baseline, kind of behind the uh, the visitor dugout and had a great view. And with her pl- um, playing on the secondary stage, which is more towards home plate, I uh, was able to see her even closer amongst uh, around 45,000 people. So just an amazing experience that was. However, currently not my top three. Uh, this show, the, the, the jazz and piano show, uh, there'd been a lot over the past couple of years of her performances with Tony Bennett singing the American standards, uh, American songbook, jazz, that type of stuff. So this, this show was geared right at that. And, um, I'd caught, uh, in 2019, uh, her Enigma show at, um, in Las Vegas. And that was fantastic. That was a, um, what I'd call kind of a greatest hit show. So all these songs, again, talking about how Madonna opened up with something that wasn't uh, a complete smash hit as an interesting choice. Uh, Lady Gaga opened up with Just Dance, which is a huge hit for her. So, uh, and then just went through her catalog of hit after hit after hit. Really got the crowd going. Um, Again, uh, something I can recommend is if you've never seen a show in Las Vegas and ever get the chance to, whoever it is, somebody that you really want to see, somebody you kind of want to see, there's no place like Las Vegas for an intimate setting. Um, you know, again, I mentioned the Chromatica Ball tour I just saw was 45,000 people at Wrigley Field. And that's something, you know, 60 foot flame geysers and things like that, obviously stuff you're not going to be able to do inside. Um, just something else. But in Las Vegas, these theaters are not that big. I mean, they're, they're, they'll hold thousands of people. The Park MGM, uh, Dolby Live at Park MGM, where I've seen uh, Lady Gaga twice. Again, the Enigma show. And then the Jazz and Piano show holds right around 5,000 people. So 45 thousand at Wrigley to 5,000 at uh, Dolby Live at Park MGM in Las Vegas. We were, uh, my wife and I, who had went to, uh, she's gone to all the Gaga shows with me. We were what amounts to stage right, excuse me, stage left, and probably 12 rows back. I mean, you're right on on top of the artist as far as being able to to be right there. It's just it's just a holy. Um, I can't think of a word other than intimate to describe it. And so going in there, you know, just enjoying Lady Gaga's work as an entertainer, um, and and for me, her singing ability. Um, you know, we knew we were going to enjoy the show. What we didn't know is how much this was something just different. Um, the energy, the, the size of the orchestra that she had, uh, the band, I mean, top musicians, uh, her band leader, Brian Newman, excellent trumpet player. It just, everybody that was up there was at the top of their game. And it was just something that, that we didn't expect to like as much as we did, but it almost immediately. And, and, you know, the most recent, recent things have a way of creeping their way up to the top in a lot of these, these type of lists. But 
you know, I, I've thought about it for a long time from the minute I saw it to even now, it, it just, the interaction she had with the crowd, um, the banter back and forth between her and the band, it just felt, um, a, a more natural performance with a Gaga show. You know, there's story that she tells as she goes through this just felt, um, a lot, a lot more loose and just like she was having a fantastic time, which really resonates and translates to the audience. And they had a fantastic time. Um, this was her last jazz and piano show for at least this run. You know, I'm sure at some point she'll be back in Vegas. So that was her um, last Vegas show before she was going to set out on the uh, the Chromatica Ball Tour. Uh, interesting thing about it was while we were there, uh, two days later, um, the the song Hold My Hand that was featured in Top Gun Maverick was going to drop um, and at the show, I didn't know it till later when I saw it on Instagram, Tom Cruise was actually in the audience, um, supporting Lady Gaga, I'm sure in, in, in thanks for the, uh, the song, um, and to help publicize, uh, the upcoming release of Top Gun Maverick, which was a huge hit. Uh, the set list for jazz and piano on May 1st, 2022 was luck be a lady, orange colored sky. Love for Sale, Call Me Irresponsible. Something she does also in these is she does sprinkle in a few of her songs, but they're done with her playing the piano in a jazz version. So, um, and, and she's, you know, telling stories while she's uh, doing this. And of course, her costume changes, uh, wardrobe changes are always, you know, just something to see because she, you know, I don't know wardrobe wise if there's anybody that does it better than she does. Uh, poker Face. Great rendition, great story. Um, a a bit that she does at, at the show was, um, if you don't know this about Gaga, she tends to use a lot of uh, colorful language. Or if you have kids or enjoyed SpongeBob sentence enhancers. And at this show, a lot of sentences were enhanced. And and one of the things that uh, that she would say at this show is, uh, you know, when, when she'd get, you know, really, really saucy with the language was, um, it's not my fault if you brought your kids to this show, what part of Lady Gaga in Las Vegas didn't you understand? So, um, Poker Face had, uh, a, a very interesting, uh, story behind it and, uh, a few lyrics changed. I'll leave it at that. I'm sure you can find a version of that on YouTube if you want to hear what I'm talking about. Uh, bang, bang, my baby shot me down. Um, I can't give you anything but love, baby. Uh, let's do it. Let's fall in love. Do I love you? Uh, and then we go to Born This Way. Uh, again, a jazzed piano version of it. Uh, really well done. Uh, Rags to Riches, Mambo Italiano. Coquette, what a difference a day makes, and then again back to her catalog, Paparazzi, really great version of it. I I encourage you if you're you're a Gaga fan or intrigued by what I'm talking about and want to see exactly why I put this so high, check out the version of uh, Paparazzi that she does. Uh, look for it on YouTube. Uh, and then uh, we had a version of La Vie en Rose, which if you saw 
um, A Star is Born. She did a, an amazing one-take version of that, and it was equally amazing in person. And then we go back to uh, her catalog for Bad Romance. Again, phenomenally arranged, just amazing. Uh, then into a, a couple uh, of songs that uh, Sinatra made famous. Fly Me to the Moon and uh, theme from New York, New York. Uh, it just absolutely, it just seemed like she was having a great time, really working the audience. Um, just a phenomenal, a phenomenal experience. Something that I went in with, with semi-high hopes, um, being a Gaga fan, but uh, just completely blown away uh, by, by the performance and, and just the overall uh, show itself. It just, you don't get to experience that, that uh, big band sound uh, too much anymore. Interesting story. Again, I mentioned Brian Newman, her band leader. Uh, two days later, my wife and I were at the Bellagio uh, walking through the casino and out of the corner of my eye, I see a, a gentleman shooting craps. And um, again, I encourage you to look up uh, Brian Newman, trumpet player. Uh, he's got a, a pompadour hairstyle, real rockabilly type look uh, to him. And noticed him with a baseball cap shooting craps at the Bellagio. And I told my wife, I said, that's Brian Newman. She's like, really? And so, you know, don't want to be that guy, those people. Um, she's like, we should go get a picture. And I'm like, well, let's wait till he's done gambling. Maybe he'll leave the table and, and, and we can ask if we can get a picture. So we waited a little bit and he got up and, and was uh, leaving. And just as we were about ready to ask if, if he minded if we took a picture with him, he uh, went to lay down a, a hundred bucks on roulette. And so we waited till that and then went up and introduced myself and asked if he mind if we got a picture. And I'll tell you, he couldn't have been any nicer. Um, asked what we were in town for, told him we caught the uh, Gaga jazz and piano show. And he uh, thanked us for coming out. He has, has his own ver um, show in Las Vegas called after dark asked if we had been to that yet. We hadn't. And he said he was going to be performing later in the summer and we should come back and see it. Um, didn't get a chance to get back out there, but um, you know, he, he said he'd be back in Vegas. So we do plan on catching that because he, he was an excellent showman and just a, a, a kinder individual you couldn't meet. Um, uh, stood there and talked to us for a few minutes, um, asked our names, where we were from and just uh, uh, really humble and, and just a, uh, a great guy that he's, uh, a really close friends with Lady Gaga. And if you've seen her documentary on Netflix, five foot two, uh, she's godmother to his son. You see the baptism in, in that documentary. So uh, that's Brian Newman. But again, number two, Lady Gaga from May 1st, 2022, jazz and piano. That leaves us with, I know you can't wait for it. it it's the suspense. I won't drag it out anymore. Again, I've had something from 2020 or 2001 going back a ways to coming forward to 2022. We're going to go back even further than the Madonna show to August 10th, 1994. It's the Rolling Stones Voodoo Lounge in Indianapolis at the time, the RCA Dome. Uh, first show I ever saw was in 1989 in Indianapolis at the RCA Dome. 
at the time it was called the Hoosier Dome, where the Colts used to uh, uh, play before Lucas Oil Field. First concert I saw was in high school. First concert I ever saw had a $50 face value ticket. And at that time, it was just unheard of. It was talked about price gouging. If you can find a $50 concert ticket to a big act these days, people are, you're going to say, man, that's a deal. But in 1989, these prices were just gargantuan. Uh, my, my parents got it. Uh, a friend of mine picked up the tickets and my parents, uh, for my birthday, bought me a ticket uh, uh, from him and we went down there to Indianapolis and saw uh, Steel Wheels in 1989. That was the first concert. And it was amazing. It's it's a uh, double-edged sword seeing your first concert at the Rolling Stones. Uh, they put on kind of a show and they've they've been doing it for a little while. 19 their next tour after Steel Wheels was this this tour, the Voodoo Lounge tour, 1994 through 95. Um went down there with a great friend of mine who I also saw uh in uh, with, at Steel Wheels uh, the Stones in 89 went with him to catch this show. I was able to get a hold of 10 rows back center stage, and it was absolutely amazing. This show had a, had an opening act, and it was uh, Lenny Kravitz. And of the opening acts I've ever seen, and I've seen a few big-name opening acts for the Stones of White Stripes, um, Blues Traveler, um, this Lenny Kravitz of any opening act I've ever seen was absolutely amazing. Um, did not mind sitting through that at all and, and wanted more. So Lenny Kravitz, fantastic opening act on that. But being um, 10 rows back center stage, being a big Stones fan was something else. Being able to... Um, see Mick Jagger come up out of the stage. That's, he came right out of the stage. So it's like dark one second and the next second the spotlights hit and he's standing there and Keith Richards strumming those riffs, you know, from just, I mean, literally 15 feet away. Just something else that I, that I've never, never gotten over again, you know, the cameras and whatnot. It, It was in the time where you weren't allowed to bring in the cameras I wish I'd have that. I do have DVDs from the tour, not the show I was at, but you know, I'll take what I can get. Uh, 1994, Voodoo Lounge, the Rolling Stones, a set list uh, from August 10th. Uh, they started off with Not Fade Away. So interesting choice. In 89, they started off with Start Me Up. Great song, Pyro. The whole thing, I mean, just a natural kickoff song. Not Fade Away not even an original stones piece. And if you know, the stones they're they're famous for writing their own stuff, but at the same time getting their sound and a lot of, a lot of feel through blues and blues covers. So again, number one was uh, not fade away for the opener, a fantastic version of it. Uh, the, the drums in it um, are just amazing along with the, uh, the simplicity of the guitars, just, just an absolute, um, inspired choice for an opening song, but it absolutely worked. Um, number two, uh, Tumbling Dice, a, a classic off of Exile on Main, Main Street. Great second song. Um, you know, just one of those 
you know that from the the opening riff of the song, you know it. Uh, you got me rocking. That uh, was off of the Voodoo Lounge album. So a newer song. They'd sprinkle newer songs in, you know, like any artist will do. I imagine you play Satisfaction 500 times. You're looking to play something new live. Uh, Shattered rocks off again off of Exile on Main Street. Uh, Sparks Will Fly. New one off of Voodoo Lounge. New one, I say, from 1994. But on that tour, that album, Sparks Will Fly. Um, and then number seven, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. So one of the one of the times where uh, they play Satisfaction early in the set, um, on a few tours, they have opened up with it, but you know, this was one of the the times where it was kind of in the, uh, the early to middle part of the set. So interesting placement there, uh, right into the classic beast of burden, um, uh, out of tears. That was off voodoo lounge, uh, wild horses. Amazing. It was the first time since 1976, um, that they had played that song live. So to be there and hear an acoustic version of wild horses, um, you know, it was, it, it, it was amazing. A lot of times, again, I mentioned Madonna and I mentioned uh, Lady Gaga for their, their um, stadium shows and, and whatnot. A lot of times those songs don't change on chromatica. She did change up uh, chromatica ball. Lady Gaga did change them up. But a lot of times um, the artists, uh, like Madonna and like Lady Gaga are telling a story through the, the music when they're doing it. So there's not a lot of variation in the set list. Um, the stones, there's no story, you know, they are the story and they're playing whatever, you know, whatever is going to get the audience going. So, um, again, evident of that is evidence of that is the fact that, uh, they're playing wild horses that they hadn't played since 1976. So just an amazing, uh, moment catching that one live because there, there's a whole bunch of concerts in between 76 and 94 where where that song wasn't played so that was that was really cool to be able to hear that um uh from again exile on main street for me the absolute best and not just me but uh the absolutely best stones album out there exile on main street uh from that album all down the line which is easily top three of my all-time favorite Stones song songs um uh 12 we have miss you which um everybody knows that disco feel to it um i can't get next to you that's a, a cover of a temptation song uh, i go wild was a uh song off of voodoo lounge uh one of my favorite songs live honky tonk women just absolutely uh the way it's played live the opening um, uh, chord that that starts it in the studio version, you hear it a couple times live. I've heard versions of it where Keith hits that, that uh, just keeps repeating that chord for a minute straight. And it comes out great on those huge uh, amps and, and just the, a really fat sound. And it's just uh, one of my favorites. Then we go into Keith... Uh, going on to lead vocals with happy again, exile on main street. And then a song called the worst, which is a fantastic song off of voodoo lounge with Keith on, on the lead. Um, uh, continuing on voodoo lounges, love is strong. Great song, probably their best song. Um, of, you know, they're the latter part of their, the second half of their, 
a long, long career. But even now that was, um, you know, 26, 27 years ago when that came out, but a fantastic song, um, monkey man, uh, and then start me up at uh, the 20th song in the set. Uh, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Another classic, uh, street fighting man. And then to end the, the main part of the show, uh, Brown sugar, a song that, uh, they're not playing live anymore. You can look up the reasons why. Uh, but as far as the, the, the musicianship in the song, uh, the music itself is, you know, just quintessential stone sound. Uh, and for the encore, my absolute favorite stone song to see live jumping Jack flash. It, um, it, it is a song that, that will kick you, uh, right in the face and just an absolute, um, blast live. Um, so to see this from 10 rows back center stage at, at, uh, 21 years old was just, um, a may or soon to be 21 years old was just, you know, something else. It, it, it was something I'll never forget again. I wish I had footage of that show, that particular one. Maybe I can find it if I, if I look far enough, but just absolutely legendary. And to think that these guys were being, I remember in 89, the steel wheels tour was being dubbed by some people, the steel wheelchairs tour. That was in 1989, 25 years after their big debut. So, um, you know, in their early forties, you know, there weren't a lot of people in 1989 doing the rock stuff on a huge stage, uh, literally huge stage, um, at the top of their game, like the Rolling Stones. That was in 1989. We are in 2022. They just wrapped up a tour in 2021. They've been doing this 60 years. It's absolutely amazing. And if you know anything about the Rolling Stones, Keith Richards, if you look at him, you can tell without knowing anything about the Rolling Stones that the dude has, if I can use it as a verb, he he is lifed. He has just lifed or life has just, however you want to say it, dudes lived hard. And if you do know about Keith then you know the drugs, the alcohol, the smoking, and the guy is still around. Um, that's rock and roll. I mean, for me, Keith Richards is rock and roll. So there you have it. My top three favorite concerts as they stand now. I'd see any one of those shows again. I wish I could. I, again, I encourage you to see anybody that you may want to see, uh, live in Las Vegas. Um, the park MGM's Dolby live is a fantastic venue where we saw the uh, Gaga twice. You'd be amazed at how close and, and, uh, you are, even if you're up in the upper levels, it's, they say you're not farther than 130 feet from the stage. There's not a bad seat in there. And it was just, you could tell built for sound, phenomenal sound. So again, highly encourage anybody who can get out to Vegas to see a show, or if you're out there and not planning to see a show, see who's playing. Chances are you can find somebody that you're halfway interested in for the seating and the sound and, and just, again, the intimacy of, of a smaller crowd. It's, it's just amazing. Highly recommended Las Vegas you've never been to a stadium show, make sure you get to one. It's a different experience and one you'll be glad that you did. If it's a song, if it's a uh, act that you're really sold on. 
it's a different experience and one you'll be glad that you, you took the time to enjoy. That's the end of this episode of This Won't Teach You Anything. As always, uh, you can follow the show and email at thiswontteach at gmail.com, on Twitter at thiswontteach, Instagram at this underscore, won't underscore, teach underscore, you underscore, anything, and Facebook at This Won't Teach You Anything. We'll see you in two weeks. And again, thank you very much for listening. 